So something that I like to think about um, quite often is about the way that we do church or the way that we kind of run church as we know it. Um, It's something that I find really interesting. I find it really interesting to hear maybe how other churches do things, you know, do things, what their experience of church is, um, what they might prioritise in a week or on a Sunday morning. And I also really liked learning about the church in my time at Kerry at Bible College. I liked learning about the way that church has evolved and changed over the years um, and how it has become like this expression of church that we know today. And it's interesting because it is all so different. You know, you talk to two people and often their experience of church is nothing like the other. And I wonder if maybe you have known a different experience of church in your life. Maybe you have experienced something a bit different to what maybe we do here. Or maybe for you, it's always been the same. It's always been there's something far more interesting happening here in the front than me, obviously. But maybe, yeah, maybe church has always been like this for you. Always had this kind of traditional way of going. But maybe you've had like a memorable or a favourite experience of church where you've thought, yep, this is what it's all about. And for me, my experience of church where I've thought, yes, this is what it's all about, is each year over Labour Weekend, we go away with, so my family, um, now me and Josh, other families, these families that we've grown up with um, through Ham South, a lot of them, And they were all a part of our home group. So we go away together over Labor Weekend. And we've been doing this for years. It goes back um, further than I can really remember, I think. And so I've grown up with this group and with this Labor Weekend experience, I guess. And it is this experience that feels most like church to me. Now, this group, it kind of began before I was even born. Um, It began with my parents and the parents of a lot of my closest friends today. And so they all somehow were lucky enough to wind up here at Hamself. And because of their similar ages and stages of life, they formed a couple of home groups. This was all back in the 90s, I believe. And so over these years, these home groups, they kind of morphed a little bit, and they grew as families grew, and they changed and rearranged. And then one year, someone had the bright idea, why don't we go away together over Labor Weekend? Why don't we kind of have our own camp of sorts? And I can't remember the very early camps, but I have been told that the focus of them was during the day, just do as much as possible to tire the kids out so that when it comes to the evenings, the adults can have their own fun without us. And so these weekends, they were often filled with heaps of activities. You know, we'd play sports, we'd go on walks, which I really hated and I once hid under a bed to try and avoid... Um, And we did games and we'd have organised like kind of events some evenings where we'd do quizzes or we'd, I don't know, do something funny usually. Um, But on the whole, these weekends were full of fun and enjoyment and we just got to spend time with our friends and with our family and that was really cool. And as the years have gone by, some families have moved away, they've gone to different churches, they've gone to different cities, Um, but the Labor Weekend holiday has remained like a core part of what we do, and we always gather together every year over Labor Weekend and have this camp. 
And I don't think so far, I don't think I've missed one. We might be the only family who hasn't in our time had to miss a camp for whatever reason. And even now that we aren't really kids anymore, there's no kind of little kids, we still love going, those of us who are the kids technically. And, uh, I mean, over the years things have kind of changed, and so recently we've even embraced the more leisurely activity of Ambrose Golf, thanks to James and Janet as one of the things that we usually do in the weekend. And while Labor Weekend is always filled with a lot of fun and laughter and enjoyment, a bit of healthy competition as well, the reason that it is so special isn't because it's simply a weekend to hang out and catch up with old friends, but what makes this Labor Weekend gathering so special in itself is that it is an expression, a unique expression of what church is all about. And so we have this tradition of where on the Sunday night we kind of create a little church service. And I don't remember when this started. Maybe it's kind of always been a thing, and that's why I don't remember. But every year on the Sunday night we pull together kind of this organic church service. We have a few keen guitarists and singers in our midst, so they usually organise a song or two for us to sing. And then the night is really just left open for anyone who wants to share to share something. Maybe it's just a thought, maybe it's a little word, maybe it's a prayer. Whatever it is, you're welcome to just get up and share it. And we try to make nothing about this evening forced. Like, I mean, each year it's pretty different because there's this freedom that there... um, One of the big special aspects of it is the freedom that there is to share, to get up and to be led by the Spirit and to share whatever is on your heart. And during this time, people, are, people get vulnerable, they're open. And over the years, this space, it has proven itself to be safe for that. Often there is tears. It's an opportunity to share with some of those closest to you and for them to respond with prayer and advice or encouragement for you. And I mean, I said there's often tears, and that's okay, because the tears often mean that sometimes things that have sat for a long time are finally getting dealt with. And we share with each other in big steps of faith too. We've baptised a couple of people just there in the sea, wherever we've happened to be that year. And the night, it always finishes with a lot of prayer, which could possibly be the best part of all. There's no structure to this part. It just kind of begins because we expect it to happen after it happening all these years. But sometimes someone puts out a prayer request. Sometimes you just sit comfortably in the silence until you look to the person next to you and they're in tears and so you figure it's time to pray. But the Holy Spirit moves during this time. It moves around you and through the people around you. And it's so special Because in this time we see parents praying for children, children for their parents, friends praying for friends, adults praying for kids, and siblings praying for siblings. And if there weren't tears already by this part, there usually is. The whole night is just so simple. There's not much to it. There's no other plan than the plan to gather and just do something. It's such a special time, but it's also a time of great anticipation because we know that God will move and speak because we've seen him do it every year over and over again. And in terms of my year, when it comes to Labor Weekend, it is certainly a not-to-be-missed event. 
And it's a time where I think every year, oh yeah, this is what church is all about. And when I consider this group that I was privileged enough to grow up in, I know that I am blessed to have had this experience because I can look around me and see the majority of those of us who were the kids um, at the beginning, a lot of us are still connected in with each other and connected in with church. Through childhood and adolescence and into young adulthood, we have had the example of Christian adults who have demonstrated what it means to be mature followers of Jesus, who know how to have fun together and who know what it means to bear with one another through the valleys that life brings. We have seen the steadfast and generous faith of those who raised us, and we know what walking with Jesus that walking with Jesus and each other is good. And when I consider this experience of mine, once again, I see a true and genuine expression of church. And it probably sounds a bit silly coming from me as like a pastor in this sort of setting, which we call church. Um, But it is in the home groups, I think. It is in these smaller, more intimate gatherings where a lot of it, I mean, is just fun, really. But it is there where real growth and real discipleship happens. This expression of church that we do here on a Sunday morning It's all about coming to praise God together, coming to lift his name high together, to um, in prayer and in worship, and to worship Jesus for all that he is and all that he's done. It's about coming to hear the word of God proclaimed and to be equipped with his truth so that you might go out and share it with those that you encounter in your week. But an hour to an hour and a half of teaching on a Sunday morning It's not really enough to fully grow, is it? I mean, imagine if we only physically grew for an hour and a half each week. I worked out um, that if I were to only have grown an hour and a half each week, I currently would be the size of a three-month-old baby. And even my oldest grandparent, she would only be just reaching the size of a nine-month-old baby. And that's a ridiculous thing to imagine because, I mean, that's not possible. We couldn't, the way we design, we don't just grow an hour and a half a week. But it does kind of highlight if church is the only time where you expect to grow physically, spiritually, sorry. Um, If church is your only time that you're setting aside to grow spiritually, then that's going to be the reality. We're going to end up as a big bunch of babies. Um, Hebrews 5 verse 11 to 14 says, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are all spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk as an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I mean, that's really putting it bluntly, isn't it? And I'm not reading this to say that we are all spiritually dull and that we don't listen, but rather to highlight that if church is our only spiritual growth time, then this This is where we're headed, if that's all we're doing. And if church time is our growth time, 
And if that's what we're prepared for it to be, then maybe we need to reimagine and expand our understanding of what church is. In the New Testament, the Greek word that they use um, for church, or that has been translated to church in English, is ecclesia. And this Greek word ecclesia means the called out ones or assembly, which notably refers to only people rather than a physical place. Yet our English translation of the word church, when you search for its meaning, the first response you'll get is likely a building used for public Christian worship, which is accurate because we call this place a church. That's how we know it. But in translation, ecclesia loses all of its depth and its richness. Because when the church started, there was no church as we know it. There was no special building. The building that had been dedicated to gathering before God, their temple, after Jesus' death and resurrection, that place had kind of changed because how it worked had changed. The curtain had been torn. There was now all access to God just personally. And Jesus had left the Holy Spirit or sent the Holy Spirit to us so that we might personally commune with God just anywhere. And so at the beginning of the Christian church, which we read about in Acts, there was no church. There simply was ecclesia. People assembled together, the gathering of believers. And they met wherever. They met at each other's houses. They met out in public. They, it was raw and authentic, and it was ecclesia. Before there was church, before there was a building, before there were denominations and different groups, the believers gathered in their homes. And Acts 2 tells us they formed a community where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals and to prayer. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So I note in that that it does still mention that they met in the temple to worship each day. Their communal gathering, which was likely kind of most similar to what we're doing here, it was still so important to them, and it was a big part of what they did. I mean, they met every single day. But the key is that that wasn't all that they did. They didn't only gather in the temple. Outside of their daily worship gatherings, their lives were filled with other routines and practices, which all together helped to feed into their spiritual growth. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship with one another, to sharing meals and to praying together. They all met together and they shared their money and their resources and they shared in communion. It sounds to me like their lives might have been a little bit like a never-ending labor weekend, which is a little bit scary. But what I'd like to draw out from this is how each of these separate things that they did, each of them in, in its own self is a unique expression of what ecclesia truly is. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to learning more about Jesus, to deepening their understanding of who he is. 
They devoted themselves to having the scriptures opened to them, having them explained to them, also that they might know God better. The believers devoted themselves to fellowship with one another. They devoted themselves to simply being social, to sharing their lives with other believers, also that they might grow closer in relationship with one another. The believers devoted themselves to sharing meals together, including the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to eating together to ensure everyone was physically fed. And they devoted themselves to remembering what had drawn them together, to remember Jesus and his sacrifice for them. Also that they might grow closer in relationship, not only with one another, but with God. And they devoted themselves to prayer They devoted themselves to prayer for one another, prayer for the church and prayer of praise, also that they might lift up to God what he had graciously given them. And they devoted themselves to meeting together to share all that they had, money and resources. They devoted themselves to caring for one another, to checking in with one another and to supporting one another out of the abundance that they collectively had also that they might live in a way where they fully trusted and relied on God. The believers devoted themselves to worshipping together in the temple each day. They devoted themselves to praising and to worshipping God, to lifting his name high in praise, also that they might join with the angels of heaven in lifting the name of Jesus high and proclaiming his wonderful power. And the believers devoted themselves to sharing with great joy and generosity and enjoying the goodwill of God's people. They devoted themselves to living a life of abundance where they looked keenly for God's movements and opened opportunities for God to work in their midst. They devoted themselves to gratefulness and to living a life that was centered on others, on caring for others, just as God cared for them. And it was also they might live a different and standout life that glorified God at every turn. The first believers, they lived in this way so that they could maximize their growth and their knowledge. They'd seen just a snippet of God and they just wanted to see more. They wanted to know more. They wanted to experience more, to understand more and share more. Their goal was more of the Father more of Jesus, more of the Spirit. Is that your goal too? If that is your goal, which I I really, really hope it is, then you're going to need more than an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. And you're probably going to need more than just yourself. You're going to need a team around you. And maybe we could call that team a home group. A home group is where you hold a shared goal for personal growth, but you also hold that goal for one another. If one is down, there are others to encourage, to support, and to care. If one is confused, there are others there to pray, to discern, and to guide. If one is joyful, there are others there to celebrate with you, to share with you, and to praise with you. And if one is walking away, there are others to hold on, to believe and to remind you. To be a part of a home group does require openness and vulnerability and care. 
which are big things and very scary things, but these are things that are necessary for growth. And I can feel people here already probably internally shaking their heads at this suggestion as the excuse reel kind of flickers to life in your mind. Join a home group is what she's saying, but you're saying, we just have a lot going on each week. But the children have to sleep at 7.30 sharp. Oh, but I get tired in the evening. Oh, but the bachelorette is on most nights, and the nights that it isn't, I'm catching up with Married at First Sight, so I'm pretty full. But I don't like to or can't go out in the evenings. Or, but I just rather wouldn't. And I'm going to tell you, these excuses... They can't apply if you're creative and willing, willing is a big part of this, to reimagine what it means to be a part of a home group. So you have a lot going on each week. Turns out that there are a lot of people here in those same circumstances. Maybe you could try meeting just once a fortnight or even once a month, just to begin with, and together work out a rhythm that might work for all of you. So your children need to be in bed at a good hour each evening. Guess what? There are other families here who feel that same struggle. Maybe you could start by meeting for an early dinner or like a lunch on the weekend. Have a potluck or something easy like pizza and work out a rhythm where you can enjoy fellowship together as a family. So you get tired in the evening. It would appear that others in the church experience that struggle as well. Maybe you have the flexibility to meet during the day, during a lunch hour, or maybe you're willing to even meet in the morning over breakfast. Seek out the others in this church who might feel that same struggle and find a rhythm with them that works. Oh, so you're going to miss your favourite TV show if you go out in the evening. You know, you laugh, but this was once one of my excuses. But I'm sure that you could find others here who like the same shows as you. And maybe just incorporate that into your gathering. Get together to watch whatever show it is, and then you're there. You're together. You've already made the effort. You've watched your show. You haven't missed that. And you have the chance to be social and to talk, maybe to pray together around that time as well. So maybe you don't like to go out in the evening, or maybe you can't. Believe me, there are definitely others here who feel that as well. And maybe transport is an issue too, but that's okay. These are others willing to help. But my question is, who said home group had to be in the evening? Just because that's what you know doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Find some others who are in a similar position, and maybe there's a morning or an afternoon in the week where you could gather. And ask for help if you need it around transport of things because there are others who would be willing to help you there. Or maybe you'd just rather not. So laziness is not necessarily something that I can have a quick fix to other than just give it a go. And I'll be honest with you, I can be the queen of laziness at the best of times. It often seems preferable to just sit on the couch or continue doing my own thing than get up and go out or do whatever it is that I have to do. But for example, when I gave it a go, when I got up and I started cooking like proper meals rather than just like real simple things, I found I really enjoyed it. 
And when I got up and gave painting the house a go, I found that it was actually really satisfying to see the progress. I won't say I enjoyed it, but it was satisfying. There was a real sense of achievement there. Let me put it in other words. So you'd rather just not enjoy deepened and strengthened relationship with God and others. And if your answer to that is still no, then I guess I can't help you. But if your answer to that is anything but no, can I suggest, give it a go. Find a group of people, even if it's just three to begin with, and try to make a start. Try an initial meeting and see what comes from it, because I think you might like it. Home groups or small groups or connect groups or cell groups or life groups, whatever you want to call them, aren't a set thing. They don't have boundaries around them, and they don't have to be like what you traditionally know or expect. Push the boundaries out. Be experimental. Be a little bit creative. And just try to find something that works for you and your family and those that you want to meet with. Because it is groups like these, it is these smaller, more intentional groups who gather together, where you will most likely find the genuine spirit of Ecclesia, and where you will flourish and grow. And while we will never cease to come all together on a Sunday, to join in worship, to be taught from the word of God, and to seek God together, if we are growing only an hour and a half a week, we're going to forever be a big bunch of babies. And while that might be cute, it won't be very effective, and it won't take us very far. And let's face it, unless you're Josh, the majority of you in here aren't going to be my best friend, and I'm not going to be your best friend. And I think it would be unhealthy and unsustainable for me to do that, but also for you to do that. There is more, very likely to be a lot of people in this congregation who you're much closer to than myself or Shannon. So embrace those good relationships that you already have around you, the friends that you've already made, those who are walking similar journeys to you, and gather with them. Find a way that allows you to gather together outside of just this church time where you can deepen and strengthen those relationships further. So take a moment now, just to do, as the band come forward, just... I've got something to read, and then we'll take a moment all over the place. Um, but turn to the person when we're ready and just ask them, so, you're going to give this home group thing a try? And then tell them, because I think you might like it. But I just have a verse that I would like to finish on, a couple of verses, and I'm going to read it from the Piperta Tapu, which is the um, Tereo translation of the Bible, but the words will come up there. As well. So this is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Kia fai fakaro ano tato te tahi ki te tahi. Kia faka hokia te aroha mena mahi pai. Kei mahui te hui hui a ia tato ano. Kei pira me te hanga a e tahi. Ingari me faka hoho te tahi i te tahi. Ki nui rawa ano hoki itemia kakite kotu koto katata tera.